Hello, hello. Bam, 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 Are you recording? Bam, 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 bam. I think we should actually start with one of us singing a cappella to a song. Hello, hello, baby. You call I can hear a thing. And I'm an M and M and my voice is I can keep going. <laughs> Do you know all the lyrics? Probably. I mean, clearly not, because I just messed them up pretty badly. That's oh my god, that's just I don't really know how to okay. Hi Nat. Hi Caroline. Do you want to know something really funny? Uh-oh. I don't know if this anecdote should be put in. What if my mom gets mad at me? Do it. Okay. Um. So my mom finally listened to our podcast. She listened to the first episode, oh no. actually. And she only listened to the intro. And her feedback was that our intro is too long because people don't want to hear us banter for that long, <laughs> which A, hurt my feelings. But her first, like, reaction was, this is actually, like, you sound... Your voice sounds pretty good. It's it's shocking because you're so nasally in person. And I was like, wow, leave it to a Korean mom to just build you up just to cut you right back down. <laughs> like, God, I was feeling like so like it was such an unexpected compliment. And then it was immediately so hurtful. <laughs> so funny. Aww. OK, I have I have pulled up on my it's been a long time since we recorded. It's been over a month. That's kind of crazy. I'm just a world traveler. You what are can I a say? world, but also domestic traveler because but you've been doing not, it safely. And also haven't really been traveling. I went to one place. I've been in New York for the past week or for the past three weeks. Because um, Caroline's a city girl. I'm just like, just like a young, independent she was just professional. Like born on the wrong coast or something. <laughs> um. That's um, good. I was just quarantining there for a bit because I love that. LA is too hot for me. I'm I love a sweaty LA. girl and I can't be in LA for That's too long. That's a little bit disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, that's the truth. I'm not going to lie about it. I love LA. Did you just get your hair done? I'm just noticing it looks really good. I know. I just have it looks very straight. It oh. It's been making me sad. Do you? Oh, why? No. Well, I'm getting keratin tomorrow. So, how do you wait? Are you going to go to a salon and stuff? No, we're having someone come to my house. Okay, got you, got you. Okay, so. On I'm that note, since we've only been Zooming for all our classes, A, not all my classes require you to have your video on. So for those classes, I've like actively chosen to be ugly. <laughs> um, but the other thing is when I do have to be on screen, like I was just telling Caroline about how I'm a TA for some of my classes. We're in college, by the way. Um, I'm a TA for two classes and like at that point like some students are looking at me specifically during zooms and I know it Gross. so I curl the front third of my hair and then leave the back <laughs> completely straight <laughs> and, like one time I was like I decided that like after class I would go grab coffee and I was like why is that woman looking at me weird and I looked at my head and I was like the front of my hair is actually four times bigger than the back <laughs> and like the very obvious split of where I had like parted my hair to actually style oh it was so embarrassing um you're a cool kid thank you which like you don't have to curl or straighten your hair you're beautiful either way it just like makes me feel better to do that because Except my hair's highlighted I'm only beautiful if my hair's straight no that's not true well, I love your curly you hair ever? you know that yeah, but I haven't like really curled my hair. You, it's bad. When well, I've never seen you really actively curl, curl it, but I've seen you let your hair be natural, yeah. like wavy. It's so pretty. That's like Thanks, why boo. I curl my hair to look like Aww. that. So, okay. Cry. Do you have a 
a list of stuff you want to talk about list of things so i can talk same i don't when Nally and i are apart we don't speak to each other but well, we it's just, not because we hate each other we're just bad at staying in we're touch we're just bad and i, and I hate <laughs> texting people and i hate talking true. on the phone true so i just compile everything that i did into one note <laughs> on your iphone <laughs> on my iphone unfortunately i wish i had wait can i just read you my list right yes now? i have a pretty cool life okay this is my list okay six things dancing with the stars psych gray's anatomy toto bem <laughs> usher burn a boy that's all i got okay <laughs> for the past month of my life that summarizes <laughs> everything okay here's do you want to hear of my those are six tv things? shows sorry <laughs> two of them are singers (laughs) okay do you want to hear my three my six i have six one girl scout cookie app snack review pedicure first position running in october and dog (laughs) so we have crazy should we go back and forth like i do one and i do one yours has workouts on it it's no 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 i'll tell you my okay i'll it's Mine's not so a sad. it's not a flattering story. Okay. okay, I'm gonna start with Dancing with the Stars. Okay, okay. Do Have you tell. been watching Dancing with the Stars? I never watched Dancing with the Stars, but when I was a kid, like I don't currently watch it, mm-hmm. but when I was a kid, I didn't live in America, but every summer I am I thinking of the right one, Kat Dealey hosts it or used to host it. No, that's that's what you think. Okay, never mind. I never watched it. I'm lying. Okay. <gasps> Wait, no, it's the one with Derek Hoff, right? Yes. He was one of my very first childhood crushes because I saw like a couple seasons of Whoa. Dancing with the Stars. I, don't know I if loved you know him. this about me. <gasps> one of my best friends' moms growing up. One of my best friends' mom mm-hmm. growing up <clears throat> was on Dancing with the Stars. Stop it. Partnered with Derek <gasps> Hoff. Stop it! Won it with Derek Derek Hoff. Are you joking? Yeah, so it do be crazy. Anyway, I've been watching Dancing with the Stars because um, I thought it was dumb people who were on it, and I was like, oh, no. any of these people? Not like dumb, like, but it was like usually they'll bring on like one really good dancer, like, like big celebrity. Zendaya was on it. Oh my and god, like, yeah, she was a dancer. That feels not. Do you know who else was on it? So like Zendaya was on it. Yes, Jordan and- Fisher, who was uh-huh. Hamilton. Oh, like they're like professional dancers. Yes. And there was this one year where Meryl something and Charlie something who were the U.S. winningest like Olympic national like yeah. figure skating couple like duo. Yeah, yeah. And they were on it. And I was like, this woman is a freaking gymnast. Like, yeah. of course, she can bend her body in insane, yeah, amazing ways. But so I was like and so they kind of brought in all these celebrities it, like they got like Chriselle Staus nope from who Selling Sunset that? don't even know who was like on two seasons of a reality tv show and they're uh-huh. like yeah come do it Jeannie Mai who's on the but Real. Selling Sunset got big no like they're so. all celebrities but they're not like okay like, none of them have any dance backgrounds okay. so I've been watching them and they've been like it's been bad oh no um, they haven't been bad it's just like really uncomfortable to watch watching them. people fail at dancing and singing is one of the most acutely uncomfortable things because I, what do they call it? Secondhand embarrassment yeah. is so strong that mm-hmm. I genuinely have to turn it off. Well, like there are I these can't. beautiful women who oh, have no. these amazing smiles and are just like sitting there, like doing these dances, just like, like smiling, <laughs> like just like, honey, you look so uncomfortable right <laughs> now. But um, I found out they brought a 
figure skater on too so he's like fucking crushing the game yeah all of the men who can who are already comfortable doing lifts and all the women who are comfortable being lifted in these shows i think absolutely kill it because no matter what money has been on it oh my god dancers like they're that's impressive yeah but now i've been watching a lot of like real ballroom dancing like oh my god professional dancers and i really want to become a ballroom dancer. i have one for you then okay I watched, okay, so here's the thing that I do. Every time I'm about to embark on some new long life journey, I watch the two documentaries, First Position and Jiro Dreams of Sushi, because they are about like the most hardworking, insanely accomplished people. And these people are also, also humble. Have you heard of First Position? I have heard of neither of these things. Okay, so First Position is a documentary about young kids training for the YAGP, which is like one of the biggest international ballet competitions, at which point like they can also apply for scholarship or not apply, but like win scholarships and all this like insane stuff for free, basically. And then the other thing is they can win these scholarships. And they this documentary follows like, I think it's four or five dancers there's a girl named Michaela who's from Sierra Leone there's a girl named Rebecca who's like not very she's not anything she's just a normal American girl there's this little boy named Aaron Bell and he is insanely talented and there's this other girl named Miko and her younger brother Jules I think that's everyone in the documentary if I'm missing someone someone like DM me or something because I'm stupid but they are the most Don't hardworking. Her. She doesn't need that in her life. They'll, <laughs> they'll literally wake up in the morning at 6 a.m., do ballet all day. They're all like most of them are homeschooled. And they're Caroline. They are just the most disciplined people in the world. And that is all I want in my life to be that disciplined and accomplished. And they're also they range from ages like 11 to like 17. And they're so crazy accomplished. So I watched that. And then I watched Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is about a chef in Tokyo who has a little sushi shop, which is like one like so many like different accolades like a beard award and like a bunch of like Michelin stars but it's inside that's so cute it's inside a subway station and he is like because like the city kind of grew around him and he has just he does the exact same thing every day and everything he does is like it's so artistic and beautiful and he's so humble all these people are so humble so I've been watching first position have you seen the Netflix show seven days out no it's they talk to like different people at like the top of their field so they do like yeah that's video games they stole that idea from a korean tv show yeah well and they do one for um oh what's the right i'm gonna be so mad because i'm not gonna be able to remember it number one rated restaurant in the world it's in new york city it's called like 11 madison or something like that and it's like they do like this insane thing in these restaurants like these high-end restaurants where they like, you know how the bottom of a plate has, like, wherever it's manufactured in? Uh-huh. They're like, we want you... No one's ever going to see the bottom of these plates, but we want to make sure that if you were to flip it over, it would be perfectly parallel to the edge of the table. So it's like these people are serving them food, and they have to hold the plate. There's no, like, specific design on it, but they're, like, so precise about everything. that oh That's God, amazing. It makes me so happy to so watch. there's things like that where i'm like god they're just so accomplished so i started watching so i watched for so i decided to start studying right for the mcat and i um 
in this life journey part of everything that's happening right now I decided to watch first position because it's like part of my tradition Mm -hmm. I watched it before I started the SAT studying all this stuff so I watched it and I literally cannot stop watching ballet videos oh my god like I saw so many of like YAGP performances because that's where I started because I was the only one I really knew and then I got into this hole of different ballerinas performing different variations and I just can't get over how talented these people are like I this is the only thing I listen to while I study too. I listen to these weird ballet playlists on Spotify. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, that's like a huge part of I what's been that. going on in my life no, right well, now. Because like normally in the in the past, I've been a big like heels dance videos, and ah. I took I took heels dance classes, and I'm bad at them. That's bad <laughs> um. So I usually watch those dance videos, but all of a sudden, since Dancing with the Stars has been coming up, I was like, I want to fucking like. It's all sexy doing your heels dances. Mm-hmm. Heels is really fucking sexy. The Paso Doble. Yes. That's all I want to do. The Viennese Waltz. Oh my God. It's insane. Like, teach, someone fucking teach me how to samba. Get yourself a man who's going to teach you to samba. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. My next thing. Is that yes. your one of your that's things? My, that's my full one of my things. Okay. These aren't really good things. Um... I'm rewatching Psych and Grey's Anatomy. I love Psych. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy. It's absurd either. how many times I've seen it all the way. First of all, if you're a true crime fan, and okay, so my sure I'm sure I mentioned this at some point before. My therapist told me when I have really bad anxiety, I shouldn't be listening to true crime shows because yeah. that only worsens right. my anxiety. Right, and that goes for like podcasts, TV shows, movies. Mm-hmm. Which is like normally all I watch other than Grey's Anatomy. And so to still get my true crime fix, but also not be so stressed out, I started watching Psych, (laughs) which is like true crime, but also very lighthearted. It's super lighthearted, super funny, but also like a little bit of fun, like mystery and stuff like that. I went to a play at Geffen Playhouse because we're from LA. Um, And the. The main character, it was about Nat King Cole, I think. Mm-hmm. And the main character was Dulé Hill. <gasps> I know. isn't oh I, I'm obsessed with him. I think he's the cutest thing on earth. I, if I could marry him, he's I would. He's in Suits, too. And I he, love him. And I was like, wow, he's so different in Suits. It's so funny. Really? Um, he's so cute. Yeah, he's awesome. No, so I've been, I, I've literally, I I finished it while I was in New York. It's like eight eight, eight seasons, I think. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, plus. Plus a musical episode, plus two movies. I watched the all musical of it in episode. New York. I watched that. It was so cute. So good. I love that. Anyway, so I watched so all that, and then I was like, "Wow, this is really embarrassing." I love that. All I did in New York was like walk around New York all by myself. That's while that's anxiety inducing. I also think in the right context that can be very therapeutic. No, no, it was really good, but yeah. all I did was like lonely walk around New York and watch Psych, which is like my favorite, my two favorite things to do. Yeah, same. <laughs> um. But, and so then I was like, wow, this is embarrassing. I finished a whole entire eight season TV show. Looks like it'll start Grey's Anatomy. Love that. (laughs) Love that. Now I'm rewatching that for the 27th time. I love that. That's so strong. Anyway, go ahead. What's your next (laughs) one? 
<laughs> I like that though. I feel like it's such a good vibe when you rewatch TV shows because you're a different person every time. Yeah. You know what those like pretentious people say about books? Like, it's not about the book changing. It's about you changing <laughs> <laughs> when you read the book. <laughs> I think that's so stupid and annoying. Um, but it's true when it you're is. rewatching Friends. Oh, <laughs> like for okay. the 75th time. <laughs> I've been watching Cody Ko. Do you know him, the YouTuber? I don't know if he's gotten canceled yet. Post Malone one time, and that's the only reason. Yeah, and so did his like friend Noel Miller. Anyways, I think they're male versions of us. If they're good people and they're not like they haven't been canceled or anything, which I don't think they have. I know he's kind of controversial because he does attack like a lot of young children's videos on TikTok. He'll be like, "This is so stupid." But to be totally honest, e boys really really bother me, so I get it. Um, he did this thing with his girlfriend Kelsey called like. You know all those switch, yeah. You know those. You know the switch videos where they or the Twitch video streaming videos. Yeah, where they where they um where they rate things. No. Okay, so they had this thing. It's based on like, I'm pretty sure it's based on Japanese report card grading, where it's like S plus S A B C D. It's like how you grade things. And they did a snack roster where they just bought a bunch of snacks on Amazon and they just ate them and ranked them. And I would love to do that so badly. How do we do that? By executing exactly what they did, which is going on Amazon. No, but how do we become... Exactly get to like a them. level of success where that that people want to watch us. I mean, realistically, they're really funny though. That's I kind do of it. that every day. You just rank the I snacks you eat your head to pay me to do it that's true that's that's facts um i will anyways. be a sugar baby i will film myself eating these snacks if if you want to pay me to do th- if you want to donate to our patreon please <laughs> guys donate to our patreons please patreon oh not plural why can't there be multiple because we, we don't got multiple wait why can't Can they we, okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna have a patreon for film noir and a patreon for caroline and a patreon for natalie and then we're gonna compete against each other just oh my god <laughs> yes how do we i'm do gonna that? tear i'm gonna tear apart this page this okay, podcast good. before we even get started i fucking love that <laughs> okay one of the things so i had pedicure on mine which is really actually wait not sorry real quick subscribe and leave a review Oh yeah, can you leave a five star review? But only if it's nice. I mean, no. You, I mean, you can say a mean thing as long as you still give us five stars. Oh, yeah. Okay, just give us five stars. Yes, I think then we've told them exactly how to bully us, which is by not saying anything and only giving us one star. (laughs) Um, the other thing on this snack thing, the other thing I had on my list was Girl Scout cookie app. So the other day, is this your idea? No. Oh, so the. Like, so slow. So the, other, the other day, okay, it kind okay, so the other day I was sitting at my desk and I was like, God damn, I have not had a Girl Scout cookie since I was in high school. Um, I, like, I don't think I've bought, like, a full and eaten an entire sleeve of Thin Mints in a long time. And I felt a really strong urge to put an entire sleeve of Thin Mints in the freezer and then eat that whole thing in one sitting. And I was like, where do I fucking execute my plan? And I Googled Girl Scout season. I Googled where and when can I get these cookies? And did you know they actually sell them like from October till April or something? Like it is cookie season. I thought it was springtime. Are you sure? Well, do you know that Girl Scout cookies are made 
year round because they're not exclusively owned by Girl Scouts. Yeah, they're sold throughout the year. They have different yeah. seasons and they do it in different places. So I looked no, this up. No, but I mean, up. like, there are, like, companies that just sell Girl Scout cookies, just not labeled Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, like the Keebler Coconut yeah. Dreams. You know how many times I've eaten those, Caroline? Millions <laughs> of times. We'll just I get those. love those. It's not the same, though. I need the box, and I need a small child to sell it to me, and I need to pay them in $4 cash. dollars yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different vibe. It makes me feel like I'm supporting other women, you know? I love that. And then, okay, so then I looked it up. And there's a Girl Scout cookie app. You can find the Girl Scouts. And while I this first was like it should be illegal. Th- yeah, that's <laughs> what I was saying. So I first was like, this is a fucking million dollar idea. Whoever did this is an absolute fucking genius. Oh, and then I was thinking about it. I was like, wait, this is like, what if a predators have access to yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. Which they absolutely could if they have an iTunes account. Anyways. That was my, like, moment of absolute joy followed up by, like, complete terror. Yeah. Because I was, like, I just, I'm basically a child, so, like, (laughs) it's okay. And I would actively go seek out those, like, lemonades for sure. But I was, like, I I don't know. I had a moment of fear for these No, you should. They should be in fear. Yeah. Um, Okay. What's your next thing? Do tell. I'm going to skip. Well, I'm just going to, it's, like, literally going to take me three seconds. Okay. My favorite phrase in Portuguese is todo bem. I think we've talked about this on we've, the podcast before. I don't think before. we've talked about it on the podcast. I think we've talked about it together. But I was in New York and I was walking around and I heard somebody say todo bem. And I was like, todo bem! <laughs> <laughs> I like turned around and I made eye contact with the guy. Mask on. So I couldn't even see my face. I just looked at him like super wide eyed. Like, was he attractive? No, no, no. It was just oh. like some old Portu- uh, Brazilian. I don't know some portuguese speaking guy uh-huh. and i was like so funny but i have um some music wrecks okay um usher dropped a fucking banger did he really called bad habits and it's like okay i'm gonna put it on my running playlist right now i love love but i'm bad at it something along those lines where he's singing about how he loves love but he's bad at it because he has some bad habits he j- it's about how he like loves being in love but he cheats on all of his girlfriends i do love that you i know was that's like, wonderful a perfect song for you <laughs> does he also talk about spreading stds he is bad at love which i would say spreading stds pretty bad at loving bad others at love that's facts okay that, and then that my next bars Mm-hmm. My next music rec, Burna Boy. Are you saying Burner Boy like Burna, like Bunsen? B U R N A space A. No, no, no. B U R N A. Burna one like word. Burma, but N N. Like Burn A Boy, but Burna one word. Okay, so he's like a. It's not like a burner cell phone, but a burner boy because it's like they're if, trash. If you can you throw them away. Say burner, but yeah, like, like a cool person. Like gangster, but gangsta, burner, but burna. Ah, so is the boy burning or Beside is the boy the <laughs> being burnt? So he's, I'm Googling where he's from. Um, he's Nigerian, but he's. Where is the hottest place on earth? <laughs> he's burna. <laughs> he's actually just um, from Equatorial Guinea. 
Um, he's Nigerian. <laughs> okay. Um, but he's really big in the UK. And he makes a lot of music with Stormzy, who's my other love. Oh, my God. Caroline and, and Stormzy. Stormzy. Yes. Um, but he dropped an album oh, probably a while ago, probably like this summer-ish. But I've just started listening to it. And he has this song called Wonderful. And it's, and it's wonderful. Okay. And it's just like the happiest Is it fast song. or slow? It's, it's like, this is going to sound dumb coming from me. Uh-huh. But it's the only way I can describe it. Okay. It's Afrobeat, which is okay, like. Okay, I'll try and listen happy, to it. What is it called? Wonderful. Wonderful by Burna Boy. By, by Burn. I found him. And which then, one is it? Why does he have two? Is it the same? One might be like a single, but one might be the album. Oh, I like the bottom album art better. So yeah. I'm going to add that to my running playlist. And then he has another really good song, which I don't think you'll like as much because it's okay. Stormzy. And I don't know if that's I don't energy. love Stormzy. Yeah, I, that's, I get that. You have to. It has, <laughs> why did I just. <laughs> who else do you like a lot who there's like, it's a group of multiple people. And one time Owen and you and I went to get frozen yogurt and you were playing them the whole time. I think it was just general grime music. Yes, but they they were like, <laughs> I'm thinking of two groups and it's most definitely neither of them. But I keep thinking about the Blue Man group. <laughs> I know it's not them. Big Blue Man group. <laughs> I know it's not them. But I keep thinking of them. And also, these aren't even singers, but the Jabberwockies. Who was it that we were listening to for so long? Like, it was. I know Do you it's not what Migos. month it is. Um, because I'm, guys, follow me on Spotify, Caroline Phil, two L's. Yeah, it would have been. Um, it would have been sometime during quarantine. Okay, I, have a I think it was either playlist. April or May, because I had just gotten home, like March, April, or May. I think you were listening to a lot of Usher. Yes, you and I were listening to a lot of Usher, but it was just with one night. Where I think we started on Post Malone and then you were like, oh, I've been listening to a lot of XYZ band. And I was like, oh, the Blue Man Group. <laughs> I, I know I'm it's not so them. intrigued. What also, does the Blue Man Group even make their own music or do they just paint themselves blue and they perform? Make, they don't make music. They make noises. Oh, really? Like that turn into music. But it's like they like. Oh, it's like those pipes. It's like those TikTok things where they turn like yeah. regular sounds into music. Isn't this so sad? So I make a playlist for every single month of all the music I'm listening uh-huh. to. And then during quarantine, well, because I, lis- I listen to music walking around school a lot. Right. Same. So I always have a ton of music going on. But during quarantine, I was like, I'm not going to be listening to that much music. So I'll just mm. make one big quarantine playlist. So I have a big quarantine playlist that's like for like three or four months. And then played myself started Why? a reopening playlist no <laughs> and we're back in quarantine baby that's so rough um yeah i only have like six songs on it because i very quickly realized it would not be happening was it um an american group do you remember no Young i T and bugsy are my other really i don't think that's them because i would have remembered like that name um yeah i'm just I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. If I rem- I'll think about it more and I'll, rem- okay. I'll look through your Spotify playlist tonight and I'll text you if I figure it out. Yeah. And then guys go check out 
everyone knows Don't Rush by Young T and Bugsy, but Strike a Pose. Anyway. None of these are ringing any bells. Yeah. Wait, stri- let me add it. Because I've been trying, I've been listening to pose. more music that's like your like music. I much. Oh. It's called Strike. I, I really like it. I think it would be a good song to work out to. Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of like, I like to listen when I run to music with a very fast and like intense beat because I like to run to that beat. Yeah. I don't know if um, this is super fast, but it's really fucking good. Like I, I don't run very fast. <laughs> Let's just not get ourselves <laughs> confused. <laughs> By fast, I mean like maybe like 40 beats per minute. Like It's very <laughs> slow. Um, um, It's so good. There's anyway. Anyway, okay. go ahead. What's your next thing? Okay. Those are all my things. That's all. That's all that's going on in my no, life. No, that's a good segue. So I've here. My last thing is something that happened to me the other day. So please don't come kill me or abduct me. My parents won't pay you any money, as you as you heard during my first anecdote. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> but I usually run on a treadmill indoors, and I have been recently because the air in Los Angeles has been so bad because of the fires. Um, and I'm generally pretty sensitive. Like I have allergies. But the air's been better and I felt so cooped up once class had started because I'm constantly sitting at one desk in one place. So I started running outside in the mornings and I went outside in the morning one time and I like decide this was near the beginning of October and I decided like, oh, this time I'm going to run this different route because I like to switch it up. You know, I don't want to see the same stuff every time I run. Different. Yeah, exactly. I'm so I'm not like other girls. Raw XD. <laughs> so I like go on this run. I'm maybe 10 minutes in and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, oh, I'm like at a good pace. I feel OK. Then five minutes go by and I'm like, OK, I'm slowing down. And I like try to pick up the pace again. And I hit this one road in my neighborhood and we live near a high school and this high school decorates for Halloween but I didn't know that. And I like, I try to look straight ahead when I'm running because when I was in middle school in cross country, that's what my coach said to do to like not burn energy. And mind you guys, like I just started running this like <laughs> maybe one week ago. And this was God's sign to tell me to go back inside because I looked up and there were full life-size creatures all around me, mummies, vampires, clowns, <laughs> witches just and and the special thing is these two heads that are about 14 feet tall attached to like a gigantic fence and gate near their tennis courts and I was like oh my god this is fucking terrifying I hate this so I started running faster I like am running through and these are all like not moving obviously right like they're not like live people (laughs) not real of course right and this whole time I'm like they're not real they're not real they're not real it's gonna be fine like they're not real this during the daytime this was during the daytime but it was like kind of dark because it's like foggy it was like maybe 7 a.m okay 7 38 I don't get up that early so I don't know the lighting oh my god so I keep running and I'm running faster and faster because I'm so afraid of these giant like they're life-size they look like human beings and all of a sudden I hear this (laughs) <laughs> I literally peed a little bit I was so afraid and I had paused my music because I don't like when I'm running past scary areas to have anything like any noise so that I can hear anything coming but I leave my airpods in because I a don't want to lose them and b I want it to look like I'm listening to something but so they try to sneak attack you but then you're 
Exactly. But you're prepared, which I don't really want anyone to attack me in any sort of manner, whether it be surprise or obvious. <laughs> but I like literally I, I truly just fucking booked it. Like <laughs> I don't think I've ever run faster in my entire life. And then later I was dropping something off at a post office and I drove by this place and I had to go look at what it was that scared me so much that morning. And it was this thing that kind of looks like Groot from the Avengers, but it's a <laughs> wicked one. It's like a devil tree with these bright red eyes that like is motion activated. So when you drive or walk past it, it goes from like a sad tree to like this huge, <laughs> terrifying tree. Oh my God. Like, that like I can't even describe oh, how much that so scarred funny. me. It was genuinely one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. I I, I it was terrible. Okay, that's really great. I think I think that's all. Of this. Okay. And with that really graceful story, let's I think that's all it. of my stuff. Okay, so let's get into the movie. Yes. Um, we watched the post, Woo! which. Let's do. Let's start rating our movies. Mm-hmm. What should we rate it out of? I feel like we should do a fun thing instead of out of ten. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, but we have to think of what that. I know, but is. that's that's too difficult for me. I just wanted to state that it should be something <laughs> other than ten, but I didn't um, want to offer any ideas. How many ghosts? I was literally gonna say how many spooks or something. Dumb? No, I like that. I feel like it's dumb. I'll give it six ghosts out of ten. Whoa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I liked it so much. Okay, I'll give it you but I kind of want to do have your own opinion. You can not like it. No, but I wanna I wanna do a different scale. Spooky scary ghosts. Sorry, I'm dumb. I don't I'm know. I'm gonna give them eleven for smart ghosts. Because it was a very well-written and smart movie. Eleven what? Smart ghosts. Out of? Ten. Oh, so you're saying it just, it's, it's just a really smart movie. But I was watching it while trying to, while trying to like really digest other things at the <laughs> same time. And it just really, it was a lot. Um, you guys give us ideas for what we should change it to. Yeah, I was, I'm sorry, Today you guys. Today we're just, you're going to have to deal with ghosts. <laughs> How many ghosts out of... Okay. I'm going to give it eight ghosts. I'm going to give it eight and a half ghosts out of ten ghosts. That's cute. And now I'm thinking of like little ghosts with the little emoji nerd glasses on. (laughs) Just Snapchat? Isn't that just Snapchat? (laughs) Yes, it is. I didn't even think... Even that's not creative. This weird image in my head. Okay, uh, <laughs> even that was planted. How many ghosts do you give it? Not smart ghosts. Give it just normal fucking ghosts. <laughs> God. <laughs> I think seven and a half. Whoa. I thought it was a really like above average movie. That's all. The Post is a 2017 American historical political thriller film, which was directed and produced by the Steven Spielberg. The main man. Oh, yes. A mean squeeze. And written by Liz Hanna and Josh Josh Singer. But let's talk about who it stars. Because I oh think my the better God. question is, who was doesn't? <laughs> exactly. Star? There, everything we've seen, or a lot of the things we've seen, have such, such huge names. Cast. Yeah. 
Meryl Streep. Yes. The OG. Yes. Tom Hanks. My love. My husband. Another OG. Sarah Paulson. Oh, my God. I love Sarah Paulson. She scares me too much from American Horror Story. I can't dissociate her from that. That's why I love her. No. Against it. Allison Breeze in it. Oh, my gosh. Zach Woods. I'm, like, really... You know my weird, ugly guy thing? (laughs) Zach Wood fits right into it. He does look a little smelly. Because Zach Wood doesn't fit into it because, like, he's, like, an ugly guy. You know how I was, like, I like ugly guys who have a lot of confidence? Yes. He's, like, an ugly guy who doesn't have any confidence. I, yes. Just like Michael Sarah. So what is up with that? Well, Michael Sarah in that movie has confidence. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Anyway, I really love Zach Woods. I think he's really funny. I think I just... I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> okay. If okay. anyone's a psychologist, let me know. So this movie is about the Pentagon Papers, mm-hmm. which we don't fucking talk about enough. Did you not talk about it in like U.S. history? No, we did, but we like kind of brushed over it. I guess like U.S. history, like for AP U.S. history, you know how it kind of at like after the 60s, it's you don't kind really of just get tested on everything it. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like we didn't fucking talk about how insane the pentagon papers are okay that shit's like a motherfucking huge scandal and we don't so was the iran contra scandal i know yeah we ought to pay attention to this stuff wait i want to do fargo we should do that too do it okay i fucking support it i love it okay i'm gonna do my sources first because i'm not gonna remember to do it history.com encyclopedia britannica 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 (laughs) wikipedia love it and, and, then some, and then some government websites that, like, are official government. Oh. No brag. Dot govs. Dot, some dot, dot govs. Gov, some site colon yeah, gov. Yeah, that's all public information, so I think I'm allowed to copy it and steal it without, like, citing anything. Okay. That's fine. I don't know if that's how it works. I, I haven't gone I to law know. school yet. Okay. Keyword. Yet. Okay. Hey, law schools, please let me in. Please let her in. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Let's fucking dive into this shit is insane. Okay. This is also maybe my dream. Sorry. I'll get okay. into this later. <laughs> so, Vietnam War. Ever heard of it? No. <laughs> so, the Vietnam War, also known as the Second Indochina War. And in Vietnam, it is known as the Resistance War Against America. It's a really good name. Yeah. They are real real explicit up in there let's make it clear what this was to the vietnamese um the vietnam war was a cold war uh, was a cold war era proxy war that lasted 19 years with direct u.s involvement the conflict took place in vietnam laos and cambodia from november 1st 1955 until the fall of saigon on april 30th 1975 also, I just want to clarify something. I'm probably going to ask Nally for some pronunciations. I know she is Korean and not Vietnamese. Nally is just smarter than me. No! And so I'm just going to ask if she knows these things. <laughs> no, I also lived in Asia. And one of my yeah, best you friends did, was but Vietnamese. But also, you just like know how to say things that I don't know how to say. Oh, that's debatable. <laughs> Let's just put ourselves on blast there. So the Vietnam War was officially fought between North Vietnam and South Vietnam. North Vietnam was supported by the Soviet Union, China, and other communist allies. South Vietnam was supported by the United States, South Korea, the Philippines, Australia, Thailand, and other, shocker, anti-communist allies. 
um, the war as well with as well as the Laotian 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 civil war the civil war in Laos Laos Mm -hmm. and the Cambodian civil war all ended with all three countries becoming communists so bad wars for America rut row Okay, so here we go. Let's hop into the fucking history of the Vietnamese War. Vietnam War. 1954. French-Indochina War. There's The French-Indochina War leaves Vietnam, Vietnam divided along the 17th parallel with Ho Chi Minh and the communists in control of the north and um, an emperor named Bao Dai. What's happening? I'm trying to imagine myself. Okay. In the 1950s. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Natalie just looked like she was like really constipated. I really was. I'm trying to like put myself um, in that With mindset. the French educated emperor turned president in control of the South. That guy was quickly replaced <laughs> by DM. Okay. DM? Do you know? That I sounds right. Of, I think it's DM. Um, who was like kind of sort of supported by the. He was just like a super anti-communist guy. America had a big thing during the Cold War where they're like, oh, he's not a communist. Let's put him into power. And then he turns into a fucking fascist. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. So. Delicious. Um, so DM's now in charge. 1955, Eisenhower pledges U.S. support to South Vietnam mm-hmm. and like sends them like training, like things and equipment and money. Um, DM. His security forces cracked down on communist sympathizers in the South, arresting around 100,000 people, many of whom were brutally tortured and executed. Democracy. God bless us. That was sarcastic. Uh. Um, In 1956, war breaks out between North and the South with guerrilla activity by the Viet Cong in the South. Viet Cong is Vietnamese communist, for those of you guys who don't know. I might refer to them as that. That's fine. (laughs) Um, Back in America, JFK beats Nixon in 1960 to become the U.S. president and almost immediately faces a number of international crises. Yep. So first we got the Bay of Pigs failure in April. In May, um... We enter into negotiations between the pro-Western government of Laos and the Communist Party of Laos. In August, Berlin Wall goes up. (laughs) Wow. In October, Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, my God. This was not a good year. (laughs) Wait, and can I tell you, I didn't know this about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Obviously, big fucking deal. Everyone knows generally that this happened. The Cuban Missile Crisis was the closest the Cold War ever came to escalating into a full-scale scale nuclear war yeah. and is one is the first of only two times that the u.s reached defcon 2 defcon 2 is like right defcon 5 to 1 yeah, yeah and one is the most one is all-out warfare nuclear war yeah and two is we are about to be <laughs> so we've only gone there twice what was the other time uh, Persian Gulf War. Mm. Isn't that crazy? I was like, oh shit, that was a fucking really big deal. Like, I knew it was a big deal. <laughs> Wait, can I say something? Yeah. This is going to make me sound really stupid. But when I was a child, I didn't, I feel like 
you know how Christine on ATWWD always says like English was not my first language. Yeah. I feel like I'm always saying like I didn't grow up in America. <laughs> I, I love her though. Like yes. I don't want that to seem like I like I'm fucking obsessed with her. If yeah. I grow up, I want to be like her. But like, so I didn't grow up in America. So every time I heard the phrase "Bay of Pigs," I always thought it was like a really cool place, place. like in the Caribbean, full of like pigs. those swimming pigs. Yeah. And then I took like then I took U.S. history and was like, hang on a fucking second, <laughs> like this shit sucks. Like, what was everyone doing talking yeah. about yeah. this? Um, oh my god yeah. okay so to say the u.s was struggling at this point in mm-hmm. time is a bit of an understatement yes, very much um kennedy was not feeling great um and thought that another failure would like irreparably irreparably damage the u.s's credibility and he was determined to draw a line in the sand and prevent a communist victory in vietnam so, in 1961, the U.S. begins providing military advisors to the South to train the South Vietnamese Army, and by 1962, the U.S. had 9,000 troops in South Vietnam. However, off to another bad start. Yep. <laughs> November 1963, a coup topples the South Vietnamese government, and then, three weeks later, Kennedy gets assassinated. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Right? Like literally just bad. So what do we do? We do what America does best. Money and guns, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Money and guns. Send a bunch of uh, Both of those. Yeah. Shit to we start kind of ramping it up in Vietnam. We're not full full ramped though. <laughs> Ew. Sorry. We're halfway up the ramp. Halfway up the ramp. Um that's when shit continues to go bad. All of a sudden, August 1964. What's this that's going on? The Gulf of Tonkin incident. Oh, my God. What is the Gulf of Tonkin incident? North Vietnamese torpedo boats attack two U.S. destroyers in the Gulf of Tonkin. So President Johnson, who seceded Kennedy. Succeeded. Seceded. To secede is to remove oneself. Oh. Succeeded? Yeah. Like a secessionist movement. Su- yes. So succeeded. Succeeded. Yeah. To follow. He took Kennedy's place. Right. Um, so all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, this crazy thing. The North Vietnamese attacked us. We're under attack. Oh my God. This is so bad. <laughs> and our Congress is like, oh shit, this is bad. Like, what are we going to do? They're <laughs> this, being, this do be bad. This do bad. be so bad for us. Um... <laughs> What are we going to do? And so we pass the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, which gave President Johnson and presidents for the rest of. Set a precedent set for a, the presidents. A, oh, bars. Um, <laughs> May I just briefly say bars. Which gave the president broad war making powers and pretty much was like, just go do the fuck, whatever the fuck you think we need to do. So. The U.S. planes began regular bombing raids, codename Operation Rolling Thunder, the following year. The following year, we also sent in 150,000 troops. Wow. Wow. So it went from 9,000 to 150,000. That's a lot of troops. Don't worry. It gets worse. Oh, good. Delicious. The Tet Offensive. Oh, my God. I'm getting kind of triggered. All these, like, (laughs) phrases from... 
I guess not triggered, but I'm getting kind of I'm, I'm flashbacks. I'm, yes, I have I have flashbacks. 1968, three years later, still, it's you know the American public, you know can kind of still get behind it a little bit. Okay. Tet Offensive, January 31st, 1968, on the. Vietnamese Lunar New Year, um, 70,000 North Vietnamese troops launch an, a series of coordinated attacks on more than 100 cities and town in South Vietnam. Mm. It's this huge fucking deal. Everyone's freaking out. What the hell do we do? Johnson decides to cap the troop level at above, just above half a million troops. Holy Which is mackerel. a ton, but people were saying we needed more, but jo- Johnson was like, no, we can't fucking do that. We don't got that type of money. Okay. Um, which we didn't have that type of money because Johnson wanted to spend it on his, uh, on his. Oh my god, I was literally just talking about this today. So pretty much, Johnson Johnson had a like social welfare program that right. he wanted to pass in the states. Yes. And in order to get support for that, he needed to have all the war hawk conservative members of yes. government support him and so he did that by supporting the war at vietnam yes but then there's this also the other issue which is was he split couldn't, funding he had to split the funding so he couldn't yeah. fully support his thing and the war in vietnam so everything went to bureaucracy shit. just <laughs> fucking cuts everyone down again so that's where we're at 1968 south vietnam gets attacked real bad Half a million troops, My, by the way, none of which are our military reserves. It's almost all drafted young baby boys. Oh. Because also, Johnson wouldn't get reelected if he sent the reserves over because they don't want to. It's all fucking them. Wait, that's so interesting. Wait, I, I want to hear the rest of that sentence. So pretty much the idea was like, he was like, we don't want to send our, like, we want to keep our boys here. Okay. And so he was like, we're going to have short draft terms rather than ser- send our reserves over. So our active. Our active. Okay, got it. Yeah. Or our yeah, I don't know reserves. if they're active duty reserves. They're not active duty but reserves. But whatever the reserves are. Interesting. He, and so he was like, look, we're not actually, we're not really at war because we're not sending our reserves over. But also we fucking lost because we drafted a bunch of baby boys who didn't know what they were doing. That's so terrible. And they were terrible. all really fucked up in our government didn't provide them the proper fair the proper veteran affair health care anyway oh interesting that's a hot take it's that was really bad at that point in time we did not have the proper mental no one health did or he- normal health care stuff and they yeah. all got really fucked up and it was a really awful time to be a soldier okay anyway Speaking of soldiers, yes. let's talk about our main man, Daniel Ellsberg. Okay. Let's. So, Daniel Ellsberg was born in Chicago in th- 1931. He mm-hmm. had a bachelor. He got a bachelor's degree in economics from Harvard University in 1952. Wow. You know, nerd. Um, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, between 1954 to 1957, Ellsberg spent three years in the U.S. Marine Corps serving as a rifle platoon leader, operations officer, and a rifle company commander. In 1959, he joined the Rand Corporation as a strategic analyst in which he specialized in problems on specialized in problems of the command and control of nuclear weapons, nuclear <gasps> war plans, and crisis decision making. In 1961, he drafted the guidance 
from Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara to the Joint Chief of Staff on the operational plans for general nuclear war. He was a member of two of the three working groups reporting to the Executive Committee of the National Security Council during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. What the fuck does that all mean? He was a smart dude. Super smart dude. And, like, let me, like, make this extremely clear. This guy is a war hawk. Yes. For those of you guys who don't know, you're either a hawk or you're a dove. Hawks like going to war. Doves are, like, pacifists. This guy is a war hawk through and motherfucking through. Sure. He is a military guy, and he fully supported getting involved in Vietnam. And he didn't just support it. He was working for the government to support all this stuff. Sure. Cuban Missile Crisis, blah, 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 blah. You know, smart dude, war hawk. But... In 1964, that all changed. Ellsberg leaves the Rand Corporation to join the Department of Defense, where he was tasked with analyzing the expanding U.S. military effort in Vietnam. So he is like, now he's like really, really involved in Vietnam. And so he he then transferred to the State Department and is headquartered in Saigon, which is now Ho Chi Minh City. In Vietnam. He's, like, on the ground there. And he accompanies troops on patrol to evaluate the war effort. So, Isn't it kind of bananas that people like this actually exist? Right? Like, it's so modern and contemporary, and the fact that we're even talking about this during the Vietnam War makes me feel like those movies and all that stuff, like, those are real people. Yeah. That's just kind of mind-boggling to me that anyone's this accomplished. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So it's during this time that Ellsberg opi- Ellsberg's opinion of the war changes. Or, as the movie says, he doved real hard. Mm-hmm. So this guy, like, saw all the violence and the carnage, and he saw, like, Vietnamese children dying, and he was like, ah, motherfucking shit, this is not what I thought uh-huh. it was. Yeah. And mind you, this is, like, a guy who worked for the government, and he's like, something's not fucking right here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He returns to the United States in 1967 and rejoins Rand. So now he's back working for the Rand Corporation. June 1967, so pretty much the same month he gets there, um, Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara commissions the Vietnam History Task Force to compile a documentary and analytical history of the U.S. decision-making in Vietnam. So this is just, like, going to analyze everything that we've done. Right. And compile a bunch of shit. Yes. Um, over the next year and a half, more than 36 researchers, including Ellsberg, each write portions of everything that's happened in Vietnam. In December 1968, Ellsberg and Henry Kissinger spend four days at a New York hotel as part of the transition reviewing A to Z options for Vietnam. So he, like, wrote this big paper, uh, all these people contributed, and then him and Kissinger spend time to figure out what's our next move. Right. By January, the Pentagon Papers are 100% complete, and Ellsberg's recommendation to withdraw from Vietnam ends up being omitted from the final report sent to the president. So he tells Kissinger in this four days in New York, No. no, let's get out of here. And that is omitted from the final report sent to the president. 
This final report is 47 volumes, 2 million words, 4,000 pages of documents, and 3,000 pages of analysis. So 7,000 pages in total. There are only 15 copies ever made. Two copies are held by RAN in secure vaults, two in the National Archives, two at the State Department, one for the new Secretary of Defense, Clark Clifford, one for the other Secretary of Defense, McNamara, Mm -hmm. and seven at the Department of Defense. Except... Nee, 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 nee. <laughs> this is the exciting part. Okay. Daniel Ellsberg is tasked with transporting the papers, the Pentagon papers, from DC to California, where Rand is in Santa Monica, California, LA, baby. What's up, gang, gang? Um, sorry. I wonder, <laughs> I doubt it wouldn't ever be in California anymore. Well, so one, it is. One of the reasons it's there is like they don't want. The idea was like, we don't want the Rand Corporation to be influenced by the politics of D.C. Oh, so they stuck it in the incredibly they, blue state of California? Well, kind, well, like, yes, but also if you think about it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, whoever's hiring for the Rand Corporation, it's an independent, it's a private company. Sure. Um, but, like, the idea is that, like, they don't want politicians influencing what's being written. Right, there's no lobbyists yeah. on anyone's front door yeah. here. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and they don't want, like, that. they just don't want the mingling. Right, socially. Got it. Um, and, like, imagine if Ellsberg had met, you know, a D.C. politician one right. day at lunch. That conversation goes differently, you know? Right. Um, so he has to transport the papers from D.C. to California. So he does it in two installments on March 4th and August 29th. So now the papers are in L.A., baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> September 1969. Ellsberg decides with his Rand colleague to begin copying the Pentagon Papers in the offices of Linda Sinai. So every night, most nights, Ellsberg would leave the... I know, right? Isn't I'm so getting exciting? so tingly. It's so crazy. Yeah. I have little goosebumps. We know. Okay. It's so cool. Ellsberg leaves the Rand offices in Santa Monica at 11.30 p.m. with a briefcase full of documents. Obviously, this thing is 7,000 pages. Right. He can't do it all at once. Of course. So he leaves every night. Throughout the night, he and a few others photocopy the pages one by motherfucking one because this is 1969 not oh 2010 God. or you just even stick it in something and yeah go, and it doesn't yeah. you. no he has to like do it one by one on the little xerox machine throughout the night um oh and then every morning he has to get back to work early and put the papers back where they're right so he never like takes them out for long periods of time it's literally overnight for a couple hours at a time okay i have little goosies i'm so excited to tell this part okay robert ellsberg daniel ellsberg's son Mm -hmm. recalls sitting outside at a restaurant in brentwood los angeles california one afternoon in the fall of 1969 his father said he had some papers that he wanted to copy and asked his son if he wanted to help out Stop. Over the next three months, Ellsberg's children, his son and Stop his daughter, it. would join him every so often <gasps> to help copy the papers throughout the night. Oh, my God. Isn't that so good? Okay, so there's this other movie. It's called – let me just double check. I'm pretty sure it's called The Most Dangerous Man in America. The Yes, I've heard of that title. 
Can everyone hear Caroline's My beautiful nails. long nails tapping on her screen? Yeah, so it's called The Most Dangerous Man in America, Daniel yeah. Ellsberg. And, you know, you know. Um, and Daniel Ellsberg talk. It's it, This is like, the post is like the fictionalized, not right. fictionalized, but like dramatized. A, yeah, dramatized version of the story. But this this one's like specifically like interviewing Ellsberg and talking about what happened, like how ah. he did this. And he tells the story about one night he was there with his kids at the offices scanning these papers and yeah. a security guard walks in. Mind you, he's not at like Rand Corporation offices. He's at someone else's offices that has a Xerox machine. Right. And a guy like a security guard pokes his head in and is like, what's going on here? And he said he like makes us some excuse. But his son is like. I remember thinking, I'm only 13 years old. I can't go to jail. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so sweet. Like, to, yeah. Crazy. Um, I know. Imagine being that security guard, though. But mm-hmm. also, I'm imagining Tom Hanks as the father. Like, <laughs> oh, like, hello. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so they do this for three. It takes them three months that's to copy insane. all these, copy 7, all these 7,000 pages in like the 70s. I know. In 1969, November 1969, a portion of the papers is delivered to Senator J. William. Okay, so this is another interesting to think to think about. There's a leaker, and then there's a whistleblower. Right. A whistleblower exposes someone or secrets by going through official government channels. So you tell a higher up who you work for uh-huh. within your organization. Uh-huh. And then they will take that, like, higher up, higher up, higher up. Okay. A leaker is someone who leaks something to the public, usually like through the Like to the, the media. press. To I the, see. Yes. Okay. So, I believe the reason he gave these papers originally to a senator is because... I see. He was following whistleblower protocol. Right. But, so he gave it to Senator J. William Fulbright. Maybe you've heard of him. Um... But he, like, doesn't really do anything because they haven't been officially released to him by the Defense Department. Right. So he, there's, like, not a ton he can do. So after doing all these papers and sending them to sen- the senator, Ellsberg is like, hey, maybe I'm not going to work for Rand anymore. Right. So he dips out in January 1970 and leaves for MIT. Okay. Huey, motherfucking go. This is- <laughs> okay. okay. March 21st, 1971. Reporter Neil Sheehan of the New York Times checks into the Treadway Motel in Harvard Square, Cambridge. Oh my gosh. Right next to MIT. Ellsberg leads him to an apartment where he's given the papers, all 7,000 papers, I believe. Oh my gosh. Sheehan has them photocopied in Boston um, and then returns to Washington. Sheehan then writes an essay about the possibility of a war crimes trial for American officials, and that is published in the edition of the New York Times Book Review. I don't really get why that happened, but it just wasn't in the official paper yet. Like, okay. it wasn't a front-page story. Okay. Um, Sheehan and the Times editor, Gerald Gold, rent rooms at the Jefferson Hilton in Washington. Like, all of a sudden, pe- these people are getting this, and this is fully classified like government secrets uh-huh and so like they're all like sneaky 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 but it's so crazy it's so crazy and uh-huh. watching this movie it's so much fun like 
all I want to do is sit in a room and read through government secrets and be like, let me tell you what the public needs to know about uh-huh. and expose the government for some bullshit. Okay. Anyway. Um. <laughs> this is like during our parents' lifetimes. Isn't that crazy? Right? I mean, my child, my parents were like five. My yeah. parents were one, but still. <laughs> and also neither were in America, but still like they were alive. That's how recent this was. Oh my so. gosh, just bananas. Sheehan, this reporter, and the and the New York Times editor rent rooms at the Jefferson Hilton in Washington, five blocks from the White House, and begin reading through the papers and planning the reports. Ellsberg, at this point in time, gives the papers to another, not another, another U.S. Congressperson, Representative Pete McCloskey, but again, nothing happens. So he's all of a sudden realizing, like, I don't think this is... This is it. This is the way to go. Right. Meanwhile, the New York Times set up Project X, and they headquartered this project. Get it? X? Because they can't. Anyway. Uh, uh, they Wait, move, no, I don't. It just, like, they can't actually name it anything oh, because it's right. so secretive, yeah, sure. so they just call it Project X. Okay. I thought there was a pun there. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. I'm <laughs> just dumb. Um, and they move, they headquarter it in five rooms on the 11th floor of the new york hilton near times square that's insane right i've stayed um, at that hilton. i know and imagine like running through the rooms and being like so many secrets <laughs> <laughs> you just have a bunch of adjoining tours yeah. like straight through <laughs> just papers everywhere sheehan is joined by hedrick smith ned kenworthy and fox butterfield these are some strong White names. guys <laughs> Um, general counsel, mm-hmm, general counsel, James Goodall presses for publication against the advice of outside counsel, Lord Day and Lord, who's a fucking big ass law firm, whose senior partner had written classification, written the classification regulation that the times would be violating. So pretty much like the guy who wrote the laws that they were breaking. Right. Was the one saying, no, we're saying, no, 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 you can't publish this. And then New York Times general counsel was like, fucking psych, bitch. Um, Anyway, kind of fun. (laughs) So um, the New York Times general counsel is like pressing for publication and saying like, do that shit. New (laughs) York Times. Exactly how they said it. New York Times publisher, Arthur Ox. Solzberger gives final approval on June 11th, 1971, and on June 13th, 1971, the first story appears in the Sunday New York Times with a 24-point type headline. Vietnam Archive Pentagon Study Traces Three Decades of Growing U.S. Involvement by Neil Sheehan. The first article focused on the Tonkin Gulf incident. Remember that? Remember how I told you about that? That shit's about to come right back around. (laughs) Okay. Focus on the Tonkin Gulf incident of August 1964. It describes how the U.S. conducted extensive actions causing the South Vietnamese raid to or not, South Vietnamese to raid northern targets with the express purpose of provoking a response that would be used to justify greater U.S. participation Crazy. in the war. Crazy. We're going to circle back to all this, and I'm going to explain to everything what it means. Right. But that's the first article. Call him bullshit on the go- Tonkin Gulf incident. We'll get back to that. I'm going to like go deeper and I'll, into Ruh-roh. all these details. So June 13th, the f- first is published. 
June 14th, the next day, the second installment of the Pe Pentagon Papers series is published, and that focused on the February 1965 decision to bomb North Vietnam, describing how the last stage of planning was initiated on the day Johnson was elected, despite his campaign promise not to escalate military action. So one of the Big reasons wolf. he didn't send in the reserves was like, we're not going to do this. Please elect me. We're not going to escalate. Yeah. But like he had already planned all these yes. things and initiated them. So. Planned snake. and executed. Yeah. Um, that same day, Murray Martyr, the diplomatic correspondent for the Washington Post, receives a 200 page excerpt um, of the from the Pentagon Papers from an unknown source in Boston um, and the Times publishes exactly what he got the next day but pretty much like all of a sudden first the New York Post only had this information and now Times, New York or Times. the New York Times has all this information right. but now the Washington Post is getting some of it yeah and this is a big fucking deal we'll get to that June 15th so, and this is all in the movie like this is the the Washington Post in the movie is like trying to catch up with the New with York everyone Times. else, right? Yeah. Well, just the New York Times because they're the only people that have it. Um, so June fifteenth, the third installment of the Pentagon Paper series is published. It describes the decision. It just like pretty much gives insight to all the decision making into mm -hmm. sending, you know, twenty thousand troops into Vietnam. The same day, Judge Gerfin, who is going to be a famous judge in this grants a temporary restraining order barring publication for the new york times wow so they're like three days into this and the new york and the courts are like you gotta pause you can't be doing this um mind you that's because what they're doing is illegal n not yet get wait wait for it okay the government is claiming that it's illegal okay and that's why they have to pause. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The DOJ, Department of Justice, announces that it will investigate criminal penalties in association with the leak and the publication. So all of a sudden, the Department of Justice is coming for whoever leaked the papers, because at this point, Daniel Ellsberg is in hiding. Right. And they're going to go for the New York Times for publishing all this stuff. We, yeah. Um, the Secretary of State blames the disclosure for harming U.S. relations with its allies. So pretty much we have something called the Espionage Act, which right. is like you can't expose government secrets because it's going to put at risk other American yeah. lives abroad. Yeah. So they need to argue that what what the New York Times is publishing is putting at risk New York or not New York Times, putting at risk American lives. Right. But wait for it. So June 16th, the New York Times ceases publication, running headlines that say, like, fuck the judge, pretty much, mm -hmm. in summary. I'll read you the actual headline, because that's not what they sure. said. Judge, at request of the U.S., halts Times Vietnam series four days pending injunction. So pretty much they just expose, like, this, this is, is why we're happening. stopping yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Ellsberg, at this point, New York Times is out. They can't publish it. There's nothing they can do without a legal battle. Right. So they're out. Ellsberg offers the Pentagon Papers to three TV networks, but all refuse because they say it's too risky. Risky. Yeah. And that they'll like have their FCC license revoked. Right. But the Washington Post does not give no fucks. Yes. Um, the assisting 
assistant managing editor at the Washington Post, who had been studying media at RAND during the same time as Daniel Ellsberg, was there. Uh, Wait, say again? Ben Bagdikian, uh-huh. Bagdikian was the assistant managing editor of the Washington Post. Right. And he previously had studied media at the RAND Corporation at the same time that Daniel Ellsberg was How there. How do you study media at a corporation? I don't know if they Do you work he, in media? I think he meant like studying. I What I assume is he was like studying, like analyzing what was going on I see. in media. Okay. The same way like okay, Ellsberg I understand. was studying right. military. Right. Analyzing. Yeah. Right. That's what I think. Maybe they had like a Interesting. media course. Do you know. think it's like the New York Times internship? <laughs> They're like, come live in New York. Do restaurant week here. So this guy had worked with Daniel Ellsberg. Right. And he's like, yo, the guy, no one really knew at this point. I guess they kind of knew who was leaking it. But mm-hmm. he's like, I think I can connect myself with Daniel Ellsberg because I know him because we go back. Right. Um, so he contacted Ellsberg and arranged to pick up the papers. So, but Ellsberg is still in hiding, like hiding from the government. He's like living in a motel, like he's not at home. Right. So he can't be like arrested and stuff like that. Right. So the New York Times is out. Washington Post is in. June 17th, 1971. Beg. Ben. Ben. You can just say Ben. I'm just going to call him Ben because he's a complicated last name. Ben arrives at. Oh, I fucking played myself. Ben arrives at the home of Ben Bradley. <laughs> okay. Just call him Ben and Bradley. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and they gather a team of Washington Post reporters and editors, and they roll through these fucking papers. God. It's literally, oh my That's God, in the movie, so like I want to cry because I want to be in that room so, so badly. Bad. So yeah. badly. It's just chilling how yeah. good it is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, You guys need to watch this movie. It's like my whole heart cat um they work like there are teams of reporters going through this constantly all day publisher katherine graham the first female publisher of a major goosebumps publication yes approves i'm saying publishing a lot in this sentence approves of the publication of the washington post's first installment installment of the pentagon papers over the phone during a party being held at her home with her general legal counsel being like bitch don't fucking do this (laughs) like bitch this is a fucking mistake and she's like um but it's not though fuck y'all yeah i mean clearly it worked out for her june 18th the very next day the washington post publishes its story titled Documents reveal U.S. effort in 54 to delay Viet election. Viet? Yeah. Viet election by um, Chalmers Roberts. So pretty much this is about the canceled elections in South Vietnam that put Diem in power. Right. So it was the installment by the U.S. of a random political figurehead in an effort to exert further American influence in that sphere. So they, Diem became, was put in power. And then was like, oh, we're going to have free and fair elections because uh-huh. that's what we promised we would do. Um, and then DM was like, no. And the U.S. was like, OK, we don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, this story also showed that a 1954 defense estimated 
1954 defense estimate suggested that the war could be won with seven divisions and that in 1969, the total... So pretty much it was like saying like... It was pretty much saying like, oh, this is how we win the war. But since we didn't immediately go all in with the war... Right. We fucking like drag that shit out for as long as possible. Right. It pretty much said we could win the war in 1954 with seven divisions, which is like a, a number of military troops. Right. And by 1969, we had nine divisions. So it's bananas. We fucked it. Um, the Department of Justice immediately seeks a restraining order and permanent injunction against the Washington Post and. By June 19th, the D- the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals um, tells the Post to pause publishing until an official hearing. Mm-hmm. So the Post is out. Times is out. Post is out. But fucking wait, bitches. They're like basically doing a relay thing. race yeah. of who can yeah. stay in. And they're tag teaming so that all of it can ultimately get published. Yeah. It's so it's good. June 20th, the day Media after the day after the post is officially out, the Boston Globe reporter Thomas Oliphant, Oliphant contacts Daniel Ellsberg and agrees to publish the papers in the Boston Globes. June 21st, 1997, they receive the papers and have a and have 6 hours to prepare them for publication. Insane. Matt Storen, who will become the editor of the Boston Globe, leads the team of staff members in processing the documents and writing the story. So in six hours, they fucking crunch these documents and prepare the next day's story. June 22nd, 1971, the Boston Globe publishes um, an article titled Secret Pentagon Documents Bear JFK Rule in Vietnam, which details Kennedy's direct approval for covert military operations and Johnson's turn to Vietnamization, which is pretty much like Vietnamization is like the idea that we're going to go in and train the Vietnamese troops right. for thing for this type of stuff. So like all this is like covert at the time. Like we right. didn't know this was going on. Right. Um, the department, the DOJ, Again, restraining order against the globe, which is granted, and the documents are ordered to be impounded by the court. The Post is out. The Times is out, and now the globe is out. But motherfucking wait, we're not motherfucking done. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, there's more newspapers. June 23rd, 1971. This is all happening over the span of... The like first article months, is published. Uh uh-uh. uh. First article is published June thirteenth, nineteen seventy one. It is June twenty third. Ten days. Oh my god! Could you imagine the state of disarray the country would be in? Oh in the my wake goodness! Of these papers, and then also not knowing which paper to buy. <laughs> the next story. A D.C. Circuit Court rules in favor of the Post's right to publish but continue, continues the temporary restraining order to give leave for appeal to the Supreme Court. So pretty much the court's right. like, you have the right to do this, but since since the DOJ is going to come back and just appeal this, right. don't publish anything just yet because the Supreme Court right. will be the ultimate decider. In New York Times, the Second Circuit ruled that the Times could resume publication only of materials by, only of materials by the government, deemed not to be dangerous to national security 
and that is the person who decides whether or not it's dangerous to national security is Judge Gerfine, who we mentioned God, who before. didn't even like. Who was was the original person who paused it, but then comes through later on. So we'll get there. Um, in Boston, um, judge. So pretty much in Boston, they had said these papers need to be impounded. Right. But a judge amends his order and allows the paper to be locked in a safe. Wow. With access only by the Globe's attorney. So like pretty much they're saying you don't need to destroy the papers anymore. Right. In L.A., they're like, we got to fucking get this Daniel Ellsberg. Yeah. And they begin. A grand jury is convened to hear charges on the criminal aspect of the leak. Right. Guest same motherfucking day. So this day. That is insane. Post is pretty much cleared by their local courts. Right. New uh, New York is cleared by their local courts. Boston, their crimes, I guess, are, like, lightened. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, Chicago Times. Oh, so that that all happens the same day. They convene a grand jury for Daniel Ellsberg. Uh-huh. And the same day, the Chicago motherfucking Sun-Times begins publishing. Insane. They are Pentagon Papers. Insane. And the next day, several more newspapers across the country begin publications without any interference from the Justice Department. Absolutely bananas. Oh my god, I literally have chills. I know. In total, seventeen newspapers publish are are given the Pentagon Papers. But like, could you imagine though, like being the one newspaper not <laughs> invited? Like, like everyone's like. Breaking news, breaking news, like absolutely bananas. Everyone's Who would like, have oh, known wait. whistleblowers <laughs> leaking? And then he's like, wait, like, guys, has anyone gotten an email? <laughs> like, does anyone I know this guy named like Daniel? Like, yeah, like, could you imagine being that one? Yeah. That would be so, so sad. sad. So all of a sudden, all these papers are publishing without any interference from the Department of Justice. Right. So all of a sudden... Their arguments that, like, this is so illegal, this is a threat to national security, everybody's like, wait a second, it doesn't really seem that illegal. Mm-hmm. All these local courts have said it's allowed. All these other newspapers are publishing without any legal interference. Does the government not have a motherfucking case? No, they motherfucking don't. Anyway. So that all happens on one day. And then the Chicago Times, that all happens one day. Then the ne- over the next several days more newspapers begin publishing june 26 1971 13 days after the first new york times article oral arguments are held in the supreme courts same day in los angeles a warrant is issued for ellsberg's arrest and ellsberg's attorneys announce that he will surrender on monday i don't know what motherfucking day that is okay in the future they'll he'll Mm -hmm. surrender in a couple of days Two days later. Exactly, actually. I had cool, that in my cool, notes. Cool. Two days later, later, Ellsberg surrenders to the U.S. attorney in Boston and is charged with th- theft and unauthorized possession of classified documents. He is released on $500,000 bail. The same day, Congress receives copies of the Pentagon Papers, which were immediately locked away. I think those were like official copies, not like secret stolen Right, copies. right, right, right. But do you know who got the motherfucking stolen copies? The Alaskan motherfucking senator, Mike motherfucking Gravel, a motherfucking bad bitch. We love this guy. Okay. 
June 29, 1971, Alaska Senator Mike Gravel attempts to read the Pentagon Papers into the Senate record as part of a filibuster of the draft. He even got himself rigged up with a colostomy bag so he wouldn't have to take any breaks. So pretty much a filibuster is like whenever there's like a vote or something. What is a colostomy bag? So he doesn't have to poo, right? Are you? Doctor. Colostomy? That is disgusting, Caroline. So pretty much you can filibuster in the Senate, which is where you keep talking forever to delay a vote or to end a vote. But you have to, you can't like take pauses and stuff like in that in order to take a recess you're giving up your yeah you and your filibuster Caroline, that is disgusting firstly i didn't even recognize the word <laughs> secondly my body is so disgusted and my asshole has clenched so <laughs> tightly shut i i truly am that's how that's fucking gross devoted this guy was to be honest i don't think that was necessary well so he's stopped there's like pretty much some unexpected. <laughs> imagine getting <laughs> no, that freaked out. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> They're like, never mind. We so, don't need to. There's an unexpected procedural move. I don't really like, fucking understand it. I don't fucking get it. But okay. he's pretty much not able to complete the filibuster. So he moves to plan B in which he is on a subcommittee. So he calls a late night, a Senate subcommittee. Right. He calls a late night subcommittee meeting. But, like, no one shows up because they're like, I'm not going to go to this fucking meeting. It's, like, for housing or something like that. Yeah, okay. Completely unrelated. Like, completely unrelated. Right. And he reads, he begins reading the Pentagon Papers aloud. During Uh, the meeting to get it on the record. During the meeting to get it on the record. (gasps) He is, he has dyslexia and he also is, like, so overcome with emotion because they're, like, describing such horrific things that he can't get through all of them he decides instead of continuing to read them because he's like so overcome with emotion and you can watch this is there's i think this is like film somewhere there are pictures of him reading it and like crying um he decides to submit the four thousand pages of the pentagon paper into the subcommittee's records and he's like we'll just have a vote on it but since no one's nobody fucking showed up he's like oh everyone is unanimously voting to everyone put all present this at stuff the into the record. <laughs> and so that put four thousand pages of the pentagon papers into public senate records this guy's a bad bitch so the other well, if sorry, nothing else he's very clever mike gravel also when the guantanamo papers came out i don't right. know if the official title of them but the stuff right. that like explained all the torture he like encouraged other senators to do the same thing that he did with those papers so that he could put them on senate records it's a it's a bad bitch move um, if nothing else very clever yeah yeah june 30th 1971 the u.s supreme court votes six to three in favor of publication upholding the times and the rights and nope upholding the times and the posts right to publish the globe and the and other newspapers restraining orders are are all dissolved really struggle with that sentence (laughs) pretty much this like is a fucking game changing yeah ruling like this is unprecedented in most western democracies and that like in a lot of countries you can't do a lot of 
especially like European countries that we consider very liberal, which and they right. are, they can't leak the type of papers that got leaked in America. Right. And a lot of them send secret documents to the states to have them published in the United States because it's so illegal for them to do it. Like right. this is like unprecedented. Right. So like, yeah, anyway, just fucking know that this is a big fucking deal. Um, and it's cute because all like the newspapers are like happy for each other. Yeah. It's cute. Oh my god, you guys need to watch this motherfucking it's movie. Teamwork, it's teamwork, so actually. Um same day that the US Supreme Court votes on this, the US attorney indicts Ellsberg in Los Angeles for two counts of theft and espionage. Oh boo. Boo. Well, Someone boo. had to lose. Yeah. So all this happens in seventeen days. That's so few days for that that to happen. The turnaround. Yeah. Let me just double check that. Yeah, 17 days. So that all happens in 17 days. Ellsberg case takes a lot longer. So the rest of this stuff isn't as like fast paced and exciting, but still a big fucking deal. December 29th, 1971, about six months later, a, um, a second superseding indictment. So this is like a bigger indictment. Um, in Los Angeles, names Russo and Ellsberg as co-defendants and co-conspirators on 15 counts. Ellsberg with five counts of thefts, six counts of espionage, and faced and he faces a total of 105 years in prison. Holy mackerel. Russo, who is his colleague, if you forgot, faces one count of theft and two counts of espionage, which is 25 years in prison. It's not 100. Not 105, but... Still not not small. Not great. <laughs> Would not like to do either of those. That's a full person who can rent a car. So that's about six months later. And it takes 18 months. July 29th, 1972. The Ellsberg defense team appeals. So they're like kind of have trials, everything. The Ellsberg defense team appeals to the Supreme Court due to violations committed against them of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act surveillance act so everybody's like um what the fuck is this we'll we'll get right back to it december 12th 1972 another six months later a mistrial is declared in the ellsberg case on grounds of delay so let me explain because this is all revealed mind you right in the middle of this i don't know if you've ever heard of a little thing called watergate that shit happens right on May 11th, 1973, charges are dismissed against Ellsberg and Russo after it is found out that Gordon Libby and Howard Hunt burglarized the offices of a psychiatrist of Daniel Ellsberg to obtain the psychiatrist's filings. So it turns out, like, a bunch of illegal shit was done against Ellsberg During by the, the DOJ right. to get him convicted for a bunch of stuff. Right. And so he's actually never acquitted of any of these crimes is kind of the crazy thing. The charges are just dropped. They're just dropped because so much bad wow. stuff has happened. So just for everyone listening, I don't know if everyone's familiar. I know everyone loves true crime if you're yes. listening to this podcast. But if a mistrial occurs, it is virtually impossible to retry well, that person. charges are dismissed case. too. I thought it was on grounds of a mistrial. No, the mistrial is declared yeah. in the Ellsberg case on grounds of a delay. But it's like you can have another case. You can still be brought up on charges. But then his charges are dismissed completely. 
but a mistrial means you cannot ever be tried for that same crime again. Well, he has both a mistrial and his charges are dismissed. That's interesting. So I think he's good. Well, and also it might be for different For each count. Cases, right, right, right. For different. So right. I don't know what the deal is, but he has interesting. pretty much, he's, I mean, he is fucking clean. He's still a famous figure and right. he has said a lot of amazing, interesting right. stuff recently. So that's pretty much the rundown on what happened. Let me tell you what's really so in the Pentagon Papers, crazy. though. Oh, is it going to? Oh, it's gonna I'll make us really all quick. sad sorry guys yeah it is sad but like sad alert. this is why we don't trust our government sometimes oh. and you know it's okay yeah. to be distrustful of the government because sometimes they lie to us and then they do stuff like this so i put it there's a it's seven thousand pages right so there's a ton of stuff of that is revealed these are the things right. that i personally find most horrifying mm-hmm. so Remember the Gulf of Tonkin, how we talk, we're talk, we're going to get back to this. This is what really went down. So President Johnson pretty much said that Ameri- U.S. destroyers had been out on routine patrol in international waters when they were attacked. He was like, oh, we were just chilling and we were just patrolling international waters trying to keep the world motherfucking safe. But this is and this is. Also, like, I want to make this very clear. It's just the president. The most of Congress, if anyone. Was unaware. Was unaware and receiving this information from the president and believing it as true. Well, they should have believed it as true. In actuality, those U.S. destroyers were on an espionage mission in waters claimed by North Vietnam. So they were sneaking into North Vietnamese water. Um, the, the Johnson administration also described the tax as unprovoked. There were covert U.S. backed raids taking place at the same time. So at the same time that two boats are sneaking into Vietnamese waters, Mm -hmm. like it, it poses kind of a clear threat to North Vietnamese. Um, another problem, this was, so there are two U.S. destroyers. The second destroyer that was attacked, there was like one attack and then two attacks on the destroyers. Right. The second attack never occurred. There was sim- there is simply completely fabricated. No evidence that there was ever two torpedoes shot off. Like they're saying like one torpedo hit one and the other one hit the other. And pretty much what they say happened or what they believe actually happened was the Maddox, which is one of the destroyers, mistook their own sonar pings off of a North Vietnamese torpedo as, like, a second torpedo. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know how to read the sonar properly. I don't fucking understand, but there was no second attack ever. Interesting. So pretty much the Johnson administration made a conscious effort to use these quote-unquote unprovoked attacks to further their military plans in Vietnam, even though it was clearly not... It, it, like, it was, it was all a motherfucking lie is the summary of the, the summary of the Gulf of Tonkin. So that's the big one. The Gulf of Tonkin resolution that Congress passed that gave um, the U.S. president an ungodly amount of power... 
also led to very intense bombings and air raids. But what we didn't know, what nobody fucking knew, was that the U.S. had secretly enlarged the scope of its air raids to Cambodia and Laos. What the fuck? So not only are we talking, or are not, not only are we at war doing these horrific raids on Vietnam, we're also attacking its neighbors, none of which were ever reported in mainstream media prior to the Pentagon Papers being released. And let me, like, clarify what I mean by, like, it, we didn't just, oh, we're also going to go <laughs> attack Laos and Cambodia. Sneaky, sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. From 1964 to 1973, the United States secretly dropped 2 million tons of bombs on the neutral country of Laos. Oh, my God. And when I say neutral, I mean there was a 1962 international agreement on the neutrality of Laos, signed by China, the USSR, Vietnam, the United States. Oh, no. And 10 other countries that forbid Chinese mm. from directly invading Laos. Laos is the most bombed country in the world by the U.S. per capita of something. That is so sad. That is so, so wrong and Oh, sad. sorry. Per capita in the world. Yeah, yeah. Laos is the most heavily bombed country per capita in the world. There, that is more than all the bombs ever dropped in World War II combined. And that is the equivalent of a plane load of bombs every eight minutes, 24 hours a day, for nine years straight being bombed. Can you imagine? Is that insane? The answer is yes. That's insane. Um, like it's absurd. That's like it's just fucking absurd. That is so more bombs than just beyond any comprehension. More bombs than all the bombs dropped in World War Two combined. That is on Laos, know. a teeny tiny motherfucking sliver of a country. I don't know. That's you know, in, really and in terrible. Laos and Cambodia, there are still areas where you can't and say I'm. Sure, it's probably the same in Vietnam. There are still areas you can't go because they're so heavily mined, they can't go and clear out the mines. Hi, America. Wait, are these air raids that these are bombing? They're air raids, but they are, we also got involved on the ground in Cambodia. Like a literal turf war? Are you yeah, joking? but we couldn't get involved on the ground in Laos because remember how we signed that thing saying we're not going to do anything in Laos because they're a neutral country? Motherfucking psych. Anyway, That's let me do this even. last thing. We also learned about the true goals, um, true American goals when it comes to invading Vietnam, according to the Assistant Secretary of Defense, John McNaughton. I'm not sure why this paper exists, but this is a real-life memo that you can go see on government websites. I don't, I think it's on government website, but it's a real-life memo that establishes what are our goals here. 10% of the reason we're invading Vietnam is to permit the people of the South... Wait, this is an outlined quantification of how yes. much they're doing, like what they're doing yes. this for and why. Yes. Okay. So it's a dumb paper, first of all. Second of all, mm. it's even motherfucking dumber. 10% is Big to wolf. permit the people of South Vietnam to enjoy a better, freer way of life. How is that only 10%? 
Oh, okay. it gets worse. 20% is to keep South Vietnam and the adjacent territories from Chinese hands. Okay, yeah. 20%. That's, again, something I would expect. So 30% so far is pretty much to protect South Vietnam from communism. Right. 70%. Oh. Up, up. The remaining 70%. Uh-huh. Is to avoid a humiliating U.S. defeat to our repu- reputation as a guarantor. Oh. 70% of the reason we were involved in Vietnam for 19 years with over half a million troops was to protect the U.S. reputation. The government, this was like the biggest threat to gov or this was the biggest hit to government credibility right like this is the reason people don't trust the government anymore obviously there's always been distrust of government but right. like this plus like everything that happened after 9-11 and like yeah. snowden and all that stuff like these have been huge hits to the u.s government credibility but and it causes mean- a lot of people to like question how much the government actually the the solution would have been the government shouldn't be lying to the american people right i mean but you gotta think about so i'm currently in a in a human rights class um and we just read a bunch of papers like we just finished the like burke versus Payne debate Mm -hmm. like the great debate of like what really are human rights like how can we define like society at like do we define it as like a series of interlinked relationships do we like define it as like an individual's duty to the people Mm -hmm. and society and community and also if we do define it in those ways how much faith can we actually have that that's going to be true like how can we really assume that like an organization will always be true to its own goals and not allow the like inter-organizational politics to like overthrow or like our priorities will become skewed and I think like it's stories like this and Chappaquiddick and Fargo and 13 Hours and I'm naming all these like action slash thriller movies (laughs) because these are what I watch but it's stories like this that make me really incredibly saddened about how the one country in the world that touts itself on freedom of speech individual liberty and like freedom of expression is the one country everyone inside of it is constantly like we're being lied to 24 7 and I think that's so sad Mm -hmm. I don't know it just it's just such a sad this story like I watched the post and I thought it was so cool and made me be like oh my god what if I just like quit everything and just went to law school you know what if I just was a journalist or something Mm -hmm. fun but, like, I, it's just, how do you even function in a world where your life is, like, a series of decisions of what is right and how much should I share to better yeah. America or this entire yeah. country, you know? Yeah. Even the world now, since, like, apparently we both read Daily Mail and everyone <laughs> in the UK does, too, you know? Yeah. It's just yeah, so it's sad. crazy. So, so I'm going to move to Tibet. And just get 17 dogs and never speak to anyone else. That's a good idea. I <laughs> That's my plan. Wholeheartedly. Um, ultimately, Pentagon Papers didn't actually end up having a huge effect. They had bigger long-term effects yeah. than they actually did like short-term on the, on the Vietnamese War. Right. The Vietnam War was already pretty fucking disliked yeah and this just made people hate nixon yeah 
And then Nixon kind of got lucky because, in a sense, got lucky because Watergate happened and everyone all of a sudden was mad about Watergate rather yeah. than dropping 12 million tons of bombs on. Well, Two million tons of bombs on Laos. People are nothing if not selfish. Yes. So. So. How did this all end? Ellsman, Ellsberg is kind of living his life. Good for him. Um, in 1973, we, 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 the U.S. We, we. We, we. South and North Vietnam reached a ceasefire agreement. Mm-hmm. And then North Vietnam was like, psych. And in 1975, they took Saigon, which is the capital of South Vietnam. Right. And the South surrenders to North Vietnam. And Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia all fall under communist control. Anyway. Regardless of Regardless of everything that happens. happens And the thousands of American baby boys who... Oh, I don't know if lives. I like that phrase, baby boys. Well, they're just, they're like, they were so young. Like, that was, like, the crazy the thing. I think it's just the baby. I think it's the soft they boy trend on TikTok. Yeah, they were boys. children. They You're were, right. like, young kids. They were our age. Well, do you want to hear the kind of the funny thing? A lot of people who didn't want to go to war right. would actually sign up for the reserves Right. Because if you're in the reserves, you aren't drafted because you're already right. in the military. And they knew that the reserves weren't being sent to Vietnam anyway. That's so So sad. that's how they avoided going to Vietnam, by signing up for the reserves. Even though the reserves are the people that are... Okay. Anyway. I have immense respect for people who are in the reserves. Isn't that crazy? I mean, now it... Now the idea is that the reserves would go if we needed them. I know, but I mean, but. like the like the actual commitment it takes. It's like reserve implies to me like the word itself connotes like you don't really have to do anything until something <laughs> happens. But that's absolutely not the case. Like there's consistent training. Mm-hmm. There's always like yeah. research. There's always like just keeping up your physical health, which you I can't be do. Ready to go. I don't know. It's just everything in the world is so big and scary. And I just want to sit in my basement forever. Alone. With my dogs. (laughs) With my 19 dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. I'm right there with you, girl. We can just record a podcast. From our basement. (laughs) The only connection we have to the world is one laptop. We're just uploading on Buzzsprout. So that's the fucking crazy story of the Pentagon Papers. That's insane. I want to be in that room so bad. Oh my god, like the energy of them digging through the papers and being like, are you motherfuckers reading this motherfucking shit? Like this is, like they were just, that's the legal version of all the illegal things I want to do. You know how I was like, I yeah. want to hold a high-end <laughs> poker ring. I want to, like, yeah. commit high-class crimes. But, I mean, the poker this ring is, is a not a crime. This is a legal version of it. I know. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You know, I had But a, this is, like, good. They'd be like, 100%. you're a good person. Should we do some podcasty stuff? Yes, we should. Okay. Are you guys ready? First. So, okay. We keep forgetting this. I'm going to put this in my notes. Okay. Please leave us a review on iTunes. On yeah, iTunes. leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. You got to be logged in, and you got to write a lot of really nice stuff. If you leave a review, and then leave us like 
it doesn't even like the comment doesn't have to be anything about our podcast you can leave a funny joke but if you dm it to us, if you screenshot it and dm it to us on mm-hmm. instagram we'll give you a little shout out whatever it will yeah. read whatever it says so you can fucking promote the shit out of yourself oh hell yeah be like everyone come listen, listen to, to my a different instagram. other podcast yeah <laughs> um Okay, so our Instagram is at filmnoir.podcast. Our email is filmnoirpodcast at gmail.com. And our Patreon is filmnoir, and that's film N-O-I-R. All right. Woo! All right. Bye, team. Bye, guys. Thanks. That was me giving you a little kiss. Bye.